Welcome to the Ether. Today is Tuesday, March 21st, 2023. Today on the Ether, Introduction to Flare, the blockchain for data, hosted by Atomic Crypto Wallet. Let's take a listen. Hello and welcome, everyone. We will just uh, wait a few minutes until people come in and and we will get started. So I, I, I guess we can start. So... Um... My name is Roland. I'm the CMO at, at Atomic Wallet, and it's my honor today to uh, host Flare with us. And today, from the Flare side with us, we have Hugo, who is the co-founder and CEO of, uh, of Flare. Welcome. Hey, Roland. Great to meet you. So, as a, just as an introduction, perhaps you could just uh, give a short intro. Uh, how did you get to crypto, and uh, what got you to to start with Flare. Sure, so I was uh, working at uh, a fund, working as a portfolio manager, uh, managing positions in uh, essentially commodities derivatives. Um, I got extremely bored of that and um, decided I wanted to go back to university and learn, learn something uh, new, but related to my skill sets. Ended up studying machine learning. Uh, that's where I met my co-founders. So sort of, I'd been introduced to crypto before I left uh, finance, um, but I hadn't hadn't looked very deeply at it. Uh, I was really, I, you know, on my masters where I sort of started looking extensively at crypto. Uh, that's where I also met my co-founders. So you know, both my co-founders have experience in things like distributed network and cryptography. Uh, Sean, who is first CTO. Um, is an electronic engineer and had built a, a, a blockchain for vehicle communications as a research project. And Nariusha, who's chief scientific officer at Flare, um, was working in quantum computing, but has a has a very solid understanding of cryptography. So, what what year was it that you first got introduced to crypto? So I think it would have been about 2014, really. So, so quite experience. Relatively. Relatively. Um, and then we started Flare in late 2017 uh, as a research, um, I guess, as a research organization, uh, myself looking at the financial matters and, you know, the technical team, Sean and Nairi looking at uh, things like consensus. And, you know, there was just the initial transition from um, uh, from proof of work to the first proof of stake networks. Um, really with EOS being, I suppose, the first major proof of stake network. Um, and that that sort of, you know, then that whole scaling narrative around initially proof of stake and then later around L2s, it's kind of sort of gone from there. Yeah, exciting stuff. So um, as we got the introduction, um, 
I guess we can move on to a bit more of uh, today's topic to understand more what Flair is. Uh, so I would like to ask you, uh, what is the problem that Flair is looking to solve that and and makes it different from other layer ones? So I'd broadly say that that problem is utility. Um, and what do I mean by that? I, I guess I mean safe utility. So if you look at a layer one or a layer two, um, broadly they're they're not uh, they're, they're closed systems which are able to come to consensus and update the ledger on what happens on that ledger, so directed by that ledger. And then people have basically made uh, moves to try and create oracle systems that sit on top of those uh, ledgers or interoperability systems, which you know again. Uh, are sort of they're not necessarily designed from first principles, and really what Flair is has done is it's essentially said, how do we create a blockchain where interoperability is actually the core of the blockchain? So the acquisition of data from external to the blockchain, whether that is from uh, the internet or from another blockchain, and that's what Flair is. It's a layer one EVM-based smart contract platform that has native protocols to get data from external to the chain. And this is very radically different to an Oracle or a third party sort of over the top interoperability solution. Why does that matter? Because no Oracle or over the top interoperability solution can ever be secure as the L1 network that is essentially securing uh, the whole blockchain itself. Okay, so obviously, um, from Atomic Wallet side, we have a lot of users who are just, uh, you know, maybe beginners in crypto. First, they've done their first, I don't know, crypto purchase or something like that. Could you explain, like, in the simplest form, what Flare is? Absolutely. Flare's a layer one, like other layer one networks, like Ethereum, like Cardano, uh, you know, like. Solana, but maybe less, uh, less uh, complex. Um, so it's a layer one smart contract platform. That means you can create programs that sit on top of the platform that are complex. Uh, that essentially, it's a, basically like having a programming language on top of a blockchain that can take an input and process it with an arbitrary set of code and create an output. And that input might be, I'd like to put my token into this uh, DEX, and uh, I'd like to trade this token for another token. And then the output is ultimately uh, the other token. Uh, so that's sort of simplified version of what an L1 smart contract platform is. Then Flare has two protocols that sit on top of that. Flare time series Oracle for time series data like prices, indices, anything that moves over time, anything that doesn't have essentially a single source of truth. And then the state connector. And the state connector is broken into two parts. State Connector allows Flare to come to consensus over the state of another blockchain. What has happened on Bitcoin? What has happened on Ethereum? What has happened on Avalanche? Et cetera, et cetera. Um, come to consensus using Flare, the network itself, not an external oracle, not some small non-decentralized set of nodes, but the entire blockchain is being used to come to consensus over what has happened on another chain. So that's State Connector you, uh, acquiring state from another blockchain. State Connect has a secondary use that can also be used uh, to get consensus on what has happened on a non-blockchain system that is 
either deterministic or quasi-deterministic. So that means a web API where you can be fairly certain that the data is um, essentially not going to be changed. So that then allows you to build smart contracts with price, with state data from other blockchains, and with web data. That gives you a very, very much richer environment in which to build products. Smart contracts ultimately are products. A DEX is a product. An NFT and associated platforms are products. Uh, loan, uh, a loans platform uh, built in smart contracts is a product. So what Flare allows developers to do is to build products that are hugely more, can be hugely more complex, hugely more interesting than, um, than, than the existing model allows. A great, great answer, great summary. <clears throat> and um, I have a question in terms of like uh, real use cases or like products. Are there any examples you can give that are currently being built by or are, that are actively working on the network? So absolutely. The, the first like absolute use case that exists already today on Songbird, which is Flare's Canary Network, meaning the the live network that has a live token um, that is constrained in supply, meaning it's canary network like Kusama to, to, to Polkadot. Um, and that initial use of the state connector that exists on Songbird is the ability to prove a payment on a variety of other chains, Bitcoin, XRP being two examples, prove that something has been paid on that chain, which then triggers something in a smart contract on Songbird. The demo we built for that is quite fun. Uh, we did it recently, and we've shown it uh, in both in Japan at, a, at an event with 500, 600 people, and recently uh, via a, a Twitter Spaces and YouTube feed, whereby you can essentially pay for an NFT on Songbird with a payment on a network like Bitcoin or the XLP ledger. Uh, so that's just a very, you know, very simple example of if you have the state connector, which can prove that something happened on another chain, you can then trigger a smart, a smart contract on Flare to do something. That's not, you know, that's not hugely available elsewhere. Okay. So before you, you also mentioned regarding state connector, um, can you just uh, explain or tell me a little bit how it differs from, uh, from other uh, third-party Oracle services? Sure. So the state connector is uh, what we call an attestation protocol. It uses the nodes of the network. It acquires external da event data, uh, such as whether a transaction has happened, um, or you know, on a blockchain or on another network. It acquires. Um... Sorry, sorry, Hugo. It seems like we we lost you for sure. a moment. Yeah, I got cut off. Um, so it yeah. acquires essentially external event data from another blockchain. Or, for instance, let's say a sporting event, uh, whether Team A or Team B won that sporting event. Um, and that it uses an independent set of attestation providers uh, to essentially acquire that information. It then has what we call a binary forking protocol uh, that allows the network essentially to avoid the problem of proof of stake, whereby if you have enough stake, you can force any event uh, to be, if it was a proof-of-stake-based protocol, there's no way we could avoid the situation where, um, where essentially uh, the people with the largest amount of stake could, could basically force any result that they want. And uh, 
So the binary forking protocol avoids this by allowing any set of challenges in the network to challenge essentially uh, the result. This then means that true consensus across the network can be built. This is incredibly important because it means that the state connector is not bounded by the amount of stake that is in the network. What does that mean? Well, if you use a proof of stake protocol to understand what has happened on another blockchain or an API, uh, you're bounded by essentially one third of the value of stake. You can only really deal with something that is valued up to one third of the value of, of the stake. And unless people think stake is going to grow exponentially um, on all of these networks, which uh, I think is illogical, uh, then you, essentially, if you're if you have a if you're based on proof of stake, you ultimately have a cap beyond which your blockchain is unusable. Okay, but then we also have layer time series oracle. So how does that fit in? So that is a an, uh, that is an oracle for for price data, things that move over time, essentially things that do not have a single source of truth. And with that, um, we have what we call Flare Time Series Oracle data providers. They each put in uh, for a particular series of which we currently have 12 different time series. For, uh, an example of that being Bitcoin USD. For a particular series, each uh, Oracle puts in a price that they believe that, that that series is at that moment in time. Uh, currently, we have more than 100 oracles. The system then uh, cuts the tails off of that distribution. So that creates a distribution from which the, the outliers are removed. So the top 25 and the lower 25 of the distribution are removed. And then it takes a, uh, a median, but that median is weighted essentially by what is staked to each provider. Okay. so. What is the like um, in terms of uh, the player technology or, and and the recent recent uh, updates that have been there? Uh, can you share many maybe what are the um, parts that you think are are most significant perhaps? Yeah, absolutely so the most recent update is that the, essentially the state connector went live on songbird um it's already live on both songbird and flare uh, but we had initial attestation providers come on to songbird uh, this means that the state connector now um, essentially can be used on songbird and um that's quite you know that's that's quite a big uh, i guess milestone for for flare uh, so what we showed with that was using our two interoperability protocols, both the state connector and the Flare Time Series Oracle. An NFT that was sold on Flare was first valued in a foreign currency. Uh, sorry, sold on Songbird was first valued in a foreign currency, meaning uh, that we uh, we established the value of that NFT in Bitcoin and in XRP. Um, then a person who wanted to buy that NFT then made a payment for that NFT on Bitcoin and XRP Ledger. Uh, and that is, uh, sorry, on Doge, not on Bitcoin. Doge and Bitcoin are, are broadly related, but Bitcoin is also integrated. So a payment was made on Doge network and a payment was made on the XRP Ledger. 
for different NFTs. Uh, essentially, that shows how you can basically do a cross-chain transaction today, live on Songbird, where value is um, value is determined trustlessly in a decentralized way from the Flare Time Series Oracle, and the confirmation that the transaction happened on the foreign network, uh, in this case XRP or Dogecoin, uh, was confirmed by the state connector triggering a smart contract to release the nft to the buyer yeah awesome uh, and, um, you, you before you also mentioned regarding the, um, the demo regarding the regarding all of that if anyone wants to view it is it somewhere available online that they can you know, go and watch it's it? on our youtube and it's on our twitter channel okay um in terms of where we are today uh, of course, obviously, Flare has a lot of holders. Also, when Flare was started, you decided to uh, go with the, you know, airdrop and so on. Could you maybe explain more on how uh, holders could participate in Flare today? Absolutely. So, Flare is has, is distributing uh, fifty-eight point three percent of the entire token base uh, directly to the public. Um, the initial distribution of 15% went to XRP holders from uh, a 2020 snapshot event. Uh, the remaining distribution, so 15% of that 58.3% was distributed on day one, and about 2.6% was distributed last week. Uh, the remaining amount, which is slightly less than 83% of what is going to the public, um, is distributed over the next 35 months. Uh, and it's distributed based on holding the Flare token and wrapping it into what we call wrapped Flare. Uh, wrapped Flare is simply a way for the smart contract to be able to count uh, what uh, it's better to count the number of tokens. Okay, but uh, could you explain a little bit maybe behind the decision making of why it was done in this particular way? Sure. Flare is principally an interoperability network. One of the networks that needs interoperability in smart contracts the most was xrp and that's where we started um flare has since become i guess a broader project than that whereby flares protocols are available to all of the blockchains um and well not all of them but not all of them today but ultimately the protocols are open and anyone can uh, essentially use them uh to to connect to all of the blockchains so our sort of thesis is that Flare is a uh, fantastic substrate for interoperability. And as developers build out the functionality of Flare, uh, it means that ultimately anyone who wishes to become involved in Flare, become involved in cross-chain applications, become involved in applications that are doing multiple things across multiple networks, uh, they can essentially become token holders and as early token holders, they can wrap their flare and earn some of that remaining distribution. So it's both an incentivization mechanism uh, to, to gather community to flare, uh, but also a way to avoid uh, an early population of holders essentially uh, disincentivizing the, um, uh, the, the future people that will come to flare. Yeah, so I guess it's also to some extent helping to decentralize and, and keep uh, people engaged. Uh, absolutely. We um, already have a very wide token distribution. One of the widest 
at the launch of a layer one ever. Um, and we hope that this distribution mechanics widens that further. Having a wide token distribution, having many millions of people, means that you have far greater decentralization than if you have a very narrow token distribution. And many recent L1s, uh, many recently launched L1s suffer from an extremely narrow token distribution, which ultimately means that they're not really truly decentralized. Our hope would flare is that it can be truly decentralized. Yeah. Uh, would you be able to show there any numbers, like in terms of how many unique addresses there are that are holding flare or anything like so that? So we currently have if you know uh, that. about 350,000 unique addresses, of which I think about 60,000 are actively participating in the Flare Time Series Oracle, which is the principal uh, protocol that is being used on Flare today. Um, but I, uh, we, our internal calculations demonstrate to us that there's somewhere between three and five million uh, token holders. Awesome, nice numbers. I, I think it's also so important I to um, you know cover that the token is used for governance on Flare, uh, that there are frequent governance votes, um, and you know it's it's that 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 governance aspect uh, will be open to the public to make their own governance proposals once Flare comes out of beta mode. Yeah, if I'm not mistake, mistaken regarding the, you know, 35 or 36 month airdrop uh, was also decided by the uh, token holders, right? So, exactly. or do I remember exactly. so a, a vote was put to token holders and it passed with more than 90%. I believe it was actually 97% of those who voted voting in favor of it. Um, those were principally, you know, medium to smaller accounts. Uh, and the Flare team and Flare um, uh, Flare entities largely recuse themselves from voting in it. So it was a it was a true governance uh, vote. Yeah, that just shows you know that great ideas will always be supported. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, coming uh, like as we were just mentioning about Flare and uh, and the airdrop, there were several questions uh, to Atomic Wallet regarding uh, claiming those airdrops. And I just wanted to clarify from our side that we are uh, building this feature that you are able to claim the airdrop. Uh, it's just in the progress and and uh, it's planning to be completed uh, in, in the coming month. So, so yeah, we're definitely really happy to be supporting the whole Flare ecosystem and uh, and be a partner. Fantastic. I, I mean, that's really important. It's it's really important that you know Flare token holders um, wrap their tokens and delegate them to oracles. Uh, the more that is delegated to the oracles, the better the oracle system will be. Hundred percent agree. Um, just uh, maybe a few more questions. Um, if you, if there are there are developers out there today who want to build on Flare, how can they get started? So we've we've been, uh, I guess, spending a lot of time trying to make sure that there's good documentation. The best place to start is flare.network/start-building. Uh, we also have weekly dev and Q&A sessions on Wednesday on our Discord. So please join our Discord. Uh, links are available on the Flare website, which is flare.network. Uh, remember that Flare is an EVM-compatible chain, so any application written in Solidity can be used on Flare. Um, and this is sort of 
one of the reasons why we chose EVM as opposed to competing virtual machines. Um, and remember that Flare's native protocols, State Connector and the FTSO give, give you as a developer access to uh, really quite high quality decentralized off-chain data. Um, and hopefully this leads to the uh, ability of developers to really innovate new and exciting applications, not just applications on Flare, but protocols that allow for interoperability between other networks. We see Flare not just as its own layer one, but as a, as a way to build and deploy interoperability solutions for multiple networks. Okay, so obviously many other uh, networks, blockchains, they, they, they you know, organize events like hackathons and so on. Does Flare have anything like that in, in the pipeline or plans, Absolutely. plans to events like that? So there's an ecosystem support program um, which provides technical support and where applicable potentially uh, financial support to entities that want to grow, grow and build on Flare. Um, there'll be a number of hackathons rolling out over the next couple of, um, I guess, yeah, couple of quarters. Uh, and you know, if 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 you're a developer listening and you want to apply for a grant, please go to flare.network/grants. Um, it's quite a a, a simple program. Uh, we're particularly interested on people that want to want to build use the the core protocols of the FTSO and the State Connector. So for things like interoperability and DeFi. Uh, awesome stuff. Uh, I just had a question, but it just completely left my mind. I'm a bit lost right now. Is there anything else you feel like we have missed uh, from from this uh, spaces that you would like to share? No, I think um, I think I sort of more or less covered everything that that, that the flare is about. Um, Okay, that's that's awesome. I mean, obviously, we're right now in a quite an interesting situation with the uh, with uh, banks being in problem and uh, in problems and so on. Uh, do you want to share any opinion, uh, perhaps, on that? How what do you feel? What is the current? So current. Uh, yeah. You know, I I think that you know, obviously, I've been. I guess with my background, I've been watching this perhaps more closely than others and maybe have a, um, I guess, a, a fairly nuanced view of it. You know, I, I'd like to believe that crypto blockchain becomes an alternate um, financial system. And it is to some extent an, already an alternate financial system. You know, I was at a conference the other day where I, I saw a statistic that uh, the settlement in the last year, uh, essentially the number of payments in the last year done with stablecoins, substantially higher than that done between Visa and MasterCard. That's quite um, that's quite exciting for our industry, and it's quite exciting. It's quite an indictment of the traditional financial industry. Having said that, it's quite clear that the technology is not yet at the place where you know, billions of people could use crypto and blockchain every day for day-to-day -day transactions. Uh, at the moment, it's better for essentially more financial transactions between intermediaries rather than, say, for instance, holding as if you would hold fiat and making a payment. Uh, so I think there's a long way to go in our industry before we're a 
a viable challenger. And I think, you know, that's one of the things, one of the reasons Flare has taken the direction it has. So if you look at what's happening a lot in L1s and L2s today, there's a, a huge rush for scaling. And I think you probably have, you know, 10, 20 different networks all trying to do scaling, uh, all trying to do it in a different way and, and then trying to do things like sharding and all this kind of stuff. Uh, ultimately, that technology, once, it, once a reasonable solution is arrived at, will become a bit like cryptography. It will become commodified, used by everyone. Not necessarily that particular blockchain, but essentially any blockchain that wants to can adopt that technology. So we've stayed away from scaling with the idea of, okay, well, um, what is the other thing that is extremely useful? And that's data. And that's really where Flare fits into this picture. Flare is essentially the blockchain, over the long term, we hope, the blockchain for data. And then we can adopt any scaling protocol uh, that comes along that actually works. Today, they don't work. What do you think is the bottleneck for crypto to become widely used by more people? Uh, two things. Utility. So today, the utility of crypto is fairly low. Um, principally, you have two types of application. You have DeFi and you have NFTs. Um, DeFi is great, but it's fairly restricted because you, know, you have problems with things like stablecoins. Um, you, you, it's principally a way to borrow against your crypto holdings. That has to change, and it has to be a way to actually borrow against physical assets. You know, the, it has to be a way to borrow against invoices that have been issued by a company. It has to move from DeFi with tokens that maybe represent you know, a blockchain or a project or an NFT. And it has to move towards DeFi again with tokens, but where those tokens represent accounts receivable, a deed to a house, you know, all of those kind of things. That's, that's a, a big challenging uh, area. And that's where data comes in. How do you know that that deed to that house, in fact, relates to that house? How do you know about your accounts receivable? When you need something that can attach and understand and attest to what is happening within uh, an accounting system. So if we want DeFi to progress from a lovely toy example, which is kind of what we have today, where you know we can use a DEX, but it has high slippage. We can borrow, but you know we're massively over collateralized. Then we need to have data protocols that allow for that to happen. Um, and then really the, the the second area is that NFTs, you know, they have to move from being just purely artworks and, and, and you know, perhaps they're, they're getting a little more interesting than art today, but they've got to get, you know, they've got to move from representing essentially just a purely digital asset to both digital and physical assets. That's, that's kind of the, the first thing. And then obviously scaling is, you know, very, very important. We're focusing on the data part. Other teams are focusing on the scaling part. Yeah, great answer. Yeah, I think in terms of NFTs, there are definitely some uh, interesting uh, 
um, innovations coming where I don't know you buy a t-shirt and you actually get an NFT with it or like really connecting uh, physical things with the digital things and I think that's like a great direction or also some some simple things that people can can really relate to or easy to understand if we talk, I don't know even if we if we talk about uh, move to earn even though it didn't work out maybe as well as it did but like these are like great ways i think to get people get engaged in a um, in a very yeah, simple these are, way. these are early examples and it's going to take a long time for those early examples to essentially you know it's like planting a tree it's got to grow and then bear fruit and then you get fruit and the fruit is better than the seed so you know that's that's sort of where we, we end up. And then I think the, the last thing that really needs to happen is account abstraction. Um, the existing way of connecting to a blockchain and managing a wallet um, you know, with a, with a private key just isn't fit for purpose for 95% of the planet. Yeah, no, I have to agree with you on that. <laughs> but yeah. Uh... There have been some great answers from you, and it's been, uh, I think, a quite a productive session. Uh, any final key takeaways? Um, actually, I, I realized there was one question on um, on the chat. Uh, let me just quickly check. Uh, there was one question: When do you think assets will come onto Songbird? I'm not sure if it's related uh, if you can answer that i i don't know um i, uh, I think that person uh probably means f assets um and as i've said many times before f assets are being built by an external team that is not part of the flare foundation um and that's you know we we put forward the idea of f assets as part of the flare foundation um that an external team has decided to build that, but you know, uh, it's not for me to guarantee the delivery of F assets. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, it's been a pleasure for me to to host you here today. Um, and we will obviously keep on supporting the ecosystem, and and uh, hopefully we will have some more sessions sometime in the future. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. I hope everyone else enjoyed as well. And if there are any additional uh, questions that come up, just let us know. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was the introduction to Flare, the blockchain for data, with co-founder and CEO of Flare Networks, Hugo Fillion. Hosted by Atomic Crypto Wallet. Recorded on Tuesday, March 21st, 2023. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. And if you want to keep listening, head on over to TerraSpaces.org slash donate and show some support now. Sneaking through back alleys on a little cosplay. Broadway all day, looking like the wrong way. Resuscitating major players in the waiting room. Sifting through the paperwork while I be debating fools. Breaking rules, breaking bad, like we always wait for doom. Slayed a few in my early years, often at the shroom. Sitting in the dark, waiting for the daily news to let us know what we should believe as the latest truth. Stay aloof, writing rhymes in the studio. Trying to keep it well lit like filming a movie role. Sorting through support from your endorsements. Of course, we're tripping balls, handing reports in. The latest proof. 
buffet, no way to move, change the view Just a bunch of pack of heads living in a chicken coop Picking at the dinner, finger licking like the plate is good So kick it for a minute, then show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Energy always gets the best of me when I kick it in the lab, messing with new recipes. Gotta mix and match, flip the lash, letting rhythm scratch. No shit, spitting facts with my vision smashed. Big trip aristocrats, dishing out a list of trash. Missing wisdom, this fish is too big to catch. Better let the missus know where you hit the stash. Watch your next step, bro, before you hit the traps. Walking on eggshells, tripping over landmines. And I'm about done dealing with these damn lies. Man, I'm looking at this planet like a franchise. Chastised into digging holes in the back nine. The latest proof. Ain't no way to move, change the view Just a bunch of peck of heads living in a chicken coop Picking at the dinner, finger licking like the plate is good So kick it for a minute, then show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Thank <laughs> you.